0: and welcome to the Persist podcast. Today, I'm so excited to be joined by Janet Burnaby. Janet Burnaby has been a resident of the city of Paris for over 25 years and began her passion of advocacy and organizing work as an undergraduate student at Cal State University Fullerton. As the current organizing director for the Center for Community Action and Environmental Justice, CCAEJ, she leads efforts in the Inland Empire to engage, educate, empower, and organize community members to create social change and address social inequality. Inequities and injustices. She draws inspiration from her family, specifically her father, who recently passed away in January 2021, which unfortunately was COVID 19 related. He has inspired her to continue to push for social, economic, educational, and environmental justice. Janet, let's start with you telling us a bit about yourself and your path
1: into political engagement. Thank you so much, Denise, for inviting me first off. Um, So a little bit about myself um, and my path in political engagement work. Well, currently I am the organizing director for the Center for Community Action and Environmental Justice. I've been there about three weeks now, um, learning about the different campaigns that they have, projects. But it all started, I'm going to say, in college. Am I doing my undergrad? I did my undergrad at Cal State Fullerton in political science and Chicano studies. I think that was my first really um, understanding of, of the importance of me, of myself, to get engaged, specifically in civic engagement or in the community overall, because it all, all, it all seems to overline. Political science started off as like, oh, I'm, I'm going to be a political science major. But then I felt like there was um, something missing. Um, I felt like they, I needed, I needed to have like that drive or, or what am I working for? Um, and taking Chicano courses, it really just opened my eyes to say, this is my drive. My community, my family is going to be my drive um, to see those changes politically, civically, socially. Like we are so underrepresented as a community of color. Um, time and time again, you know, we get the end of the stick and we keep but we still keep fighting. I think that's that's overall is our drive to keep continuing to fight to be to have equality um, either in a workplace, in, in the school setting, anywhere that I can be. But I think it really started when I was in college. I became involved with different organizations on campus. So organizing started on campus. I became part of an organization called the Chicano and Chicana Studies Alliance, um, organizing small events on campus. And then from there, it just really drove off to getting an internship outside of class and working for the Orange County Labor Federation. I did a small internship when there created great relationships with uh, my supervisor and seeing the great work that they were doing in Orange County. But then I also always wanted to come back home. I've, I've been a resident of the city of Paris for 25 years now. And I wanted to bring that knowledge in my experience and that drive back home. Um, so I kept, you know, talking to my supervisor, hey, you know, I want to come back home. Like I, I, I know I went to school out there, but I want to do the work in my backyard. Um, so then I got connected with uh, UFCW 1167. They gave me a couple of small projects here and there, but then the one that really helped me was working with the Inland Coalition for Immigrant Justice. I was part of the research team, and that's when I was able to be out there in the community, talk to community members, learn about the issues, the burials, the obstacles, how can we be able to help them? And they just needed to be, they needed advice. They needed um, just to be able to get navigate themselves to the system. Um, even though um, if they were, for example, if they were a naturalized citizen, it's like, okay, what's next? How do I get myself involved? Um, you know, after become, registering to vote, okay, yeah, my duty is to vote as, as as a naturalized citizen, but what's next? So answering those questions and helping them and guiding them just gave me that drive. Um both of my parents became US citizens. My dad, the first, I think the first term of that Obama became uh the president, that's when he voted. So he inspired me. It just really my my family inspired me. It wasn't a norm in my household to get politically engaged or civically engaged, but it started with with my family. Uh, honestly, that was kind of my my whole tidbit of seeing my dad come to a country that he was not familiar with because he came from Mexico. That's that's his hometown. And become a citizen, thrive, vote. Mm -hmm. That's really it started. It started with my family.
0: I love that so much. And thank you so much for sharing all about your journey into this work. And I, I think that you hit on something really important that often comes up with our students who are taking political science classes. And you know, those classes are obviously very interesting and very informative, but sometimes it's hard to get motivated to take the extra steps into political engagement work until it becomes personal, right? Mm -hmm. So so thank you for sharing about your specific drive and really what pushed you from an identity perspective, from a family and a cultural perspective, to get involved in this fight for social justice and equity. Uh, And I know that when you and I met you were doing work for the Familia Vota. And uh, I'm curious to hear more about your perspective on just the importance of voter engagement.
1: Yeah, my my well my, my background also comes from working for the Registered Voters Office for Riverside County. I was an election technician, helping out with recruitment of poll workers from students to different languages, also teaching the poll worker training sessions. So before election day, trying to help get everything in tune to know what's going to happen pre-election, on election day and post-election to be trained well. So yeah, working with Mi Familia well, that really connected me to the community. I think that was one things with that was missing working at the Registered Voters Office is the straight connection to community. I'm doing this, but why? What's my passion behind it? What's my motivation? So working with Mi Familia Bota, I was with them for about two and a half, three years. It was straight contact to community members, helping them out through coordinating um, citizenship and Dr. renewal workshop and seeing their drive, like the reasons why they want to become citizens. And if they are not aware of, you know, what the next steps were, it's like, okay, you get registered, but what's next? get informed, knowing that not just national elections are very important, but also state and local elections are very important. In learning of, you know, when it comes to voting for either a proposition, something on the ballot, language is very confusing. That's that's one thing. You might think it's something good you're voting for, but it may not align with your views. So giving them resources to be able to made the language more understandable. So one of the other partners that i work with and I still currently working with is the League of Women's Voters. So they have pamphlets to be able to support us and being able to give that out. And they have different languages available. So that made my work very easy, easier, especially being able to be in that circle space of the League of Women's Voters, but being able to use the resources that they have available instead of me recreating a wheel is just the, uh, the information is already created there and also just a tidbit I was asked to join uh, the board of the League of Women's Voters so I'm actually very excited I'm going to start that it's still volunteer work but I just love still love civic engagement so I will be starting that in, in September my position with them
0: Congratulations. That is so exciting. And that's a really fantastic organization to be a part of. Um, And also congratulations on your new role with CCAEJ. You said you've been there for three weeks now. And uh, I'm thrilled that you're working with that organization. And I'm curious to know from your perspective, There are a lot of environmental challenges in our country, but especially in this region of inland Southern California, we have a lot of challenges. And what are you seeing as some of the biggest barriers and challenges as it relates to the environment in inland Southern California?
1: I think that one of the biggest challenges um, that I've seen currently in the IE region in reference to environmental issues is just the great amount of Of warehouses being built in our backyards, the IE is known to be the capital warehouses, and seeing, um, for example, you know, the continuum of warehouses being approved by planning commissions and city council, and not taking in consideration the comments and the concerns of community members, it's just absurd. Like, what they work for us, Um, city council is, you know held accountable through the community because that's who they're voted by and it's just the biggest challenge is that is like for example, I was on a city council meeting yesterday for the city of Fontana and then just having forty community members call in to oppose an additional warehouse next to a high school and city council mayor just not taking in consideration community members' comments like they voted on it it was four to one only one council member voted um, to oppose it. And it was just, these are the challenges that we're facing. Having big companies come into the communities and just taking over. And not only we that talking about the air pollution that's creating from having these warehouses, from the trucks coming in, the noise, the dangers of having a warehouse so close to a high school, but also you're talking about you know, the workers inside, these are not good paying jobs. The good paying jobs are not good in warehouses, not because of just the working conditions, but also the pay. These workers end up getting hired through through agencies, so they don't get any benefits. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is one of the issues that, well, one of the things that the mayor would bring up from Fontana is like, these are great jobs. These are great jobs. They're not great jobs. They were so great why don't you work here? <laughs> um, right. So it was just a lot. It's just like, how do you get through these council members? Like, who is your main point of contact to be able to support and be on the community side? There is only one council member that t- opposed it. The na- his name is Jesse uh, Sandoval. And I was just so inspired by his story of why he opposed it because he lives there. That's his community, it's coming in his backyard. I don't even. I have no idea where the other council's members live at, or if they live nearby. But it was just—it's it, concerning. There was only one um, council member standing up for the community. It's like how do how do we go from having one council member with the community supporting and having more of them also focusing on the community, not just overall bringing more profit and, you know, bringing more warehouses to community, I think that's a big challenge. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's just one city I can go on about what's going on in Bloomington. It's just, it's, it's, it's heartbreaking, honestly, especially when we hear the stories of community members of how it's affecting them. Some have to sell their homes just to have warehouse place there, rezoning of the land. It's just like, honestly, I knew I was getting myself into (laughs) <laughs> to a different space with um, we're focusing on environmental justice issues but talking to the community members and actually listening to their conversations and going to the sites seeing how you know they're going to be misplaced or having this come in it's just it makes me think of my own city mm-hmm. uh, I was like wow you know I would not want that to happen to my city I live in the city of Paris um, there are warehouses here but I know I have to do some legwork to make sure that no more warehouses are being put in our backyards.
0: Thank you for sharing all of that. And actually, this is precisely one of the reasons why I was excited to to invite you to be one of the first guests in this podcast, because I think that so often when people think about political engagement, they think about um, those of us who are in elected office, right? And, And one of the goals of our Persist conference, and now this Persist uh, podcast is to really help people understand that political engagement is so much broader than just who's in elected office or who's working for those in elected office, right? Like the, the work that you just described is so important when it comes to moving the needle on not just equity and justice issues, but you know health issues, right? We're talking about people's day-to-day living environments that are toxic and being polluted more and more in this region by the logistics industry. And it's amazing that, um, you know, the work that you get to do, right, with an organization like CCAJ really does have an impact on people who are in elected office. And sometimes I know it can be frustrating because it's not always an immediate impact. But I think that the work you're doing is so important uh, and you're raising consciousness and raising awareness of why policies need to change, right? Because sometimes in politics, we can be short-sighted and think about, you know, oh, we're going to get a lot of money for this warehouse to be built. But I think that the work that you're doing is so critical because it helps people see the bigger picture, right, of the environmental footprint, but also the the footprint of, um, you know, this type of a warehouse being built in a particular city uh, and how that will impact people for years to come. So I'm so happy that you're doing that work. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. And I know that you've had uh, a number of different interesting, you know, jobs in your career thus far. And I'm I'm curious to know about what do you think is the accomplishment you're most proud of thus far in your career, and also what do you
1: hope to accomplish in the near future? I think my an accomplishment that I'm most proud of this far in my career. I'm still learning a lot from. Being in my new position with CCAJ, but I'm gonna say mi familia vota. I think that really was my biggest stepping stone and put my foot in the door. I learned so much and I wore so many hats um, that I know that it was it was it was to make to train me um, and give me the skills to be where I'm at right now. Honestly. I cannot be more grateful for my former director, Samuel Molina. I mean, he's amazing. I learned so much from him. I still have a great relationship with him and he actually um inspired me and pushed me to apply to this position. <laughs> and I think that that's that's what we need. I think honestly that's what we need when we have supervisors or team member or a director that they want to see the best of you. They want to see you succeed. They they want to mold you and give you the skills, so then you can keep going. Um, Because there is a lot of work. And you know, I really admire the work that he does. And I've had previous jobs where they didn't they they just I was just a number. They wouldn't invest in me. They didn't want to see me leave because it was one less person on their team. And I'm like, well, sometimes we need to grow. Sometimes we need to move forward to something else. Um, so I think one of my biggest accomplishments has been with Mi Familia Muta because I am here in my new position because of where I was at.
0: Absolutely. I love that. And do you have any thoughts about what you
1: hope to accomplish in the near future? Currently right now is just the near future is get myself more in tune with my position, get more well-rounded. I think that, that's my goal right now. Um, in the near future, hopefully run for for city council for my city honestly that that's that that's in the near future not now but once you know because I know there's so much already going on with my position, but that would be one of my my goals is to either run for the board of education or run for city council um i love love the work that congressman mark Ticano does and I admire his work I've had a couple of sessions with him and just he just inspires me he's genuine like mm-hmm. literally genuine and I love that I love that from him also from uh, assembly member Eloise Reyes like people that I admire they're in the community mm-hmm. they listen to the community they take in consideration of what what their needs are and it's not just you know something that's part of their agenda it's because they're genuinely in the community and are working for the community and I mean that that's literally that's what it's supposed to be like Mm -hmm. honestly and that's that's where I want to be at is genuinely be working for the community and be able to provide any kind of resources um, or support if they're having any kind of um, challenges or barriers around them.
0: I love that I love that you're thinking about running for office this is fantastic. And you're right, those are, those are important reasons to do it, to really benefit the community and be in the community. So yeah, that's exciting. Thank you for sharing that. So one, one question that I like to ask is, what do you now know about politics that you wish you had known before you decided to do this work, this political engagement work?
1: I wish I would have known. Hmm, I don't know. I think I, I think this would have been really helpful Knowing what I know now, when I was taking my political science classes in Kelsey Fullerton, because I didn't feel engaged. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it was just a book we were reading. But if I would have known what I know now, I know I would have aced all my classes. (laughs) I took a course and it just, it just daunting to me that I took a course in elections of California. I barely passed that class. But once I started working for the Register of Voters Office, I was like, "Oh my God, this just clicks!" Like, why didn't I know this when I was in the class? Um, I don't know what it was. It wasn't clicking to me. It was just, it was just not a good, good thing for me. Um, but now that I am um, in tune with everything that's going on, I'm like, "Okay, well, probably this is what students need. Students needs to get more engaged or come out from just being behind uh, a book." you know, um, they would be great for them to get the, a bigger picture of the experience that they're having. Um, mm-hmm. So they can be able to, to get better grades or actually be able to engage more in their classes. So yeah. I, am always, I'm always up for, you know, having students do um, internships because that really, is really helpful for them. Um, once they get the internship running, it's like, they get out of that box. It's not just, You have to have both, honestly. I feel like if you have both on both ends, then it's really helpful and it engages you more into your classes. That's a great piece of advice.
0: I always like to ask also, what one piece of advice would you give to our listeners, especially college students thinking about running for office or getting involved in the political arena? And I think what you said is so important. Uh, The internships outside of campus and having that extracurricular experience sometimes really is the, the light bulb moment for students, you know, when they figure out what it is that they want to pursue. right? I think that, that um, you're right, that's such an important experience. Are there any other pieces of advice that you would give specifically to students thinking about doing this work?
1: Ask questions. Um, I, I always love to give as much resources to my interns or former volunteers. And always stay engaged. If it's not something that that it's of your interest, um, like civic engagement, ask, you know, uh, and that's what I always tell my, my interns and my volunteers, it's like, if you're leaning more towards immigration work, ask me and I will get you in contact with leading work in the region. Just keep asking questions. I mean, don't be afraid. No, no, no question is dumb. Um, I and mean, we're all learning. I know I have I had to go through that whole learning process myself and be vocal, honestly, get engaged. I know we're in a little sometimes in a little shell of not being engaged because we're just shy or the way we were raised. Cause honestly, if you would see me back when I was in high school, <laughs> I was not engaged at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just very very quiet person. Um, I feel like teachers were not um, giving me the opportunities because they thought I wasn't engaged. It wasn't that because I was engaged. I was I was just a very timid person. Um, so there, I had a lot of missed opportunities. So I would suggest for students just to be vocal, get out of the, you know that bubble because there is a really great world out there, and especially our community, um, being able to support them in different forms. I think that I think that's a great thing.
0: I agree, and as we. This has been such a such an enlightening conversation. As we wrap up, I just have a fun question. Uh, what are your favorite things to do outside of work?
1: Um, currently, right now, I'm going to say I love spending time with my family. We we do a lot of things together. Um, I love walking, and we have well, I, we have. But I live in the city of Paris, so we have the lake, Lake Paris. And just being able to walk and just, you know, close out everything that's, put the cell phones down, put everything down, just focus, you know, just be in nature. I think that's that's really beautiful. We have a walking path as well here in Paris where there's ostriches and llamas and it's so random, but I love it. It's just, you know, just taking in, you know, the mornings and just just doing that. I think that's that's kind of like my, my self-care part of it. And I mean overall just, just being with family. I, I love being with my family as much as I can. Drawing, I love um, I love painting, canvassing. Um, I gave that I'm gonna say that that fire to my daughter because now she took it upon herself to to canv- I mean, do canvassing most of the time and she does get um little projects here and there that um she get paid she gets paid for. So that's her side money right now, (laughs) her little side hustle. But yeah, I I think the art form and and just being out there in nature kind of just gives me a, a, a way to unwind, honestly.
0: That's so important. As you know, this political engagement work can sometimes be really heavy and really stressful. So I'm glad that you have all of these amazing outlets and you're integrating them into your life and your daughter's life as well. Um, janet this has been such a wonderful interview thank you so much for taking the time to be on the persist podcast and uh, I do hope students reach out to you what's the best way for them to get in touch with you
1: um they can email me um at the ccaj email which is janet, J-A-N-E-T dot B at ccaej.org
0: fantastic thanks so much Janet thank you The Persist podcast is hosted by me, Denise Davis, director of the UCR Women's Resource Center, and is produced by Rosa Tejeda and the staff in the UCR Women's Resource Center. Check out our Instagram pages for links to more episodes at UCRWRC and at UCRpersist. If you'd like to sign up for our newsletter, please email us at wrc@ucr.edu. We hope that this podcast inspires you and those around you to get involved in the political arena because we know that who is at the table absolutely matters. Finally, if you have any ideas for who a future guest should be on the podcast, feel free to reach out and let us know.